Hey everybody, welcome back to Dog Backwards Podcast, where we look at life, culture, and current events from a different angle. This week we're going to dive headfirst into the subject of biblical slavery. It happens to be one of the favorite subjects of atheists when they're having conversations with Christians to prove, uh, according to them, that God is some kind of moral monster who should not be believed or followed. And so let me play a little intro music and we'll dive right in. You might notice I didn't upload anything for a couple of weeks. I promise you it's not because I've been avoiding the subject. I've welcomed my third son into this world. My wife and I have uh, three boys, Titus Cohen and now River. And River is uh, named after a peace like a river in my soul. And we are hoping he'll be a peaceful child because with three boys I could use all the peace I could get. And uh, so... I want to play this clip for you real quick, and it'll just give you a brief understanding of how atheists deal with this subject. And so just take a quick listen here. Uh, talk about how the Bible regulates the beating of slaves and states that the owner will not be punished right. as long as the slave takes at least two days to die. Yeah. Um, Which is really messed up. Right. Uh, a few verses later in uh, 28 through 32, it says that uh, if you negligently let your bull gore somebody to death, uh, then you have to be killed according to the laws of, of uh, you know, crime and punishment, unless that person is a slave and then you just have to pay back the master. Um, <laughs> so there's more of these on this page, but I think the point is uh, either they are glossing over the really horrible things that they did to the slaves and, and the bond servants are a different thing with a different set of rules, uh, or uh, they're just putting a polite, a more polite word on it yeah, to not talk about it. Were they substituting uh, bond servants for slaves, but they were still saying that they were subject yeah. to, to those rules? Like the yeah, is that yeah, yeah that's how you kind of put it. Does that make yeah, it yeah. better? Like does that right. like that yeah. word doesn't change doesn't change the treatment? I'm I'm sure dictated, as, so. as you beat somebody to death and it takes just exactly forty nine hours, so you're in the clear. It's very comforting to have them tell you, hey, it's okay, man. You're just a bond servant, not a slave. <laughs> I just, I don't. All right, well. So, this clip is from a podcast. It's also a call in television show called The Atheist Experience. It's quite popular among atheist circles. Most people know the host of this show. And what is frustrating, but somewhat expected, is. They don't even, you can tell they don't have an answer. They don't know. They don't know. They're just like, yeah, the Bible talks about it. See how stupid it is? And they kind of laugh and joke, and it must be evil. They, they're not even sure. They're originally, this uh, conversation, this caller called in. He says, hey, I called a Christian hotline about if you have questions, call this number. And the person, they asked about slavery. And the Christian on the other line said, well, it's not slavery like what we think of. It is bond servants. And this guy had never heard that term before uh, of what is a bond servant. And so he was calling the atheist, be like, have you guys ever heard this? And they're like, ah, it's just a cop-out answer. And that's really frustrating because they're not actually dealing with the source material. 
historically or intellectually. It's intellectually dishonest to try to tie in when the Bible uses the word slave in the Old Testament and connect it to the slavery that we see in movies like 12 Years a Slave um, or anything like that. There's antebellum slavery and then there's the slavery in, uh, around the Jewish territories 2,000 years ago in the Middle East. And then there was Roman slavery. There was all different kinds of slavery. But if I was to ask you, what does slavery look like? We think of people being enslaved, kidnapped from their land, and forced to work in fields picking cotton based upon the color of their skin. That has nothing to do with the slavery mentioned in the Bible. Absolutely not. In fact, the Bible uh, was, there was, there's history that shows that slave owners refused to allow their slaves to have a copy of the Bible because if they would read it, they would realize that the arguments used were not valid, that the Bible actually condemns that type of slavery. If you read the Bible, it's very specific, and, and you know maybe I, we just go ahead and jump in onto this, but um, in Exodus 21, 16, it says, anyone who kidnaps another and either sells him or uh, still has him when he is caught must be put to death. So that means anybody that had a slave in America, according to Scripture, a slave owner would be put to death because you were not allowed to have somebody working for you who had been kidnapped from his home or land and put into forced labor camps, right? So the kind of slavery that they are condemning the Bible for supporting is condemned by the Bible. It's kind of ironic. And so I really, really wanted when I had my conversation with Seth to avoid these types of arguments because it just shows that people aren't concerned about truth. They just want their they want whatever framework supports what they already believe. And so if you believe God is evil and bad and you don't want to believe in him, they go to this slavery subject and they say, see, he's bad and evil. All it takes, all it takes is 10 minutes of research and you begin to understand what slavery in the Bible was actually all about. So what is this term bond servant and why is it important? So oftentimes the Bible, instead of translating it slave, will translate it bondservant. And it does that, the word that is translated allows for that. It's not a cop-out. But because there's so much weight on this word slave, when we hear it, our minds automatically go to this preconceived notion that we have. And that is nothing at all about what the Bible is talking about. It does promote a social... Uh, safety net for people who have gone beyond poverty and are in such despair that they have no other choice, that they could enter into an agreement, a contract to say, I will work for you for a certain amount of time. If you pay off my debt, somebody had a debt, they needed to be paid off and they couldn't pay it off themselves. They could go to somebody, a neighbor or a family member who somebody had more money than them and say, I need help. And they would basically move in and become a slave of that person. Now, you hear that word slave, and your mind starts to go, wait a minute, so they could sell themselves as a slave? Yes, absolutely. It was a way to save their life from starvation. So they would enter into this relationship. It was not for life. Let me read you um, 
Uh, here's just another verse. I don't, don't want to miss out on this one. Um, the New Testament condemns slave traders. In fact, uh, 1 Timothy 1, 8 through 10, it says uh, it's ungodly and sinful. And it's in that list of all these things, people who kill their fathers and mothers, murderers and adulterers, and also are those who are in the slave trade business. So the Old and New Testament both reject the American type of slavery. So slavery in the Old Testament was a debt relief program. There were rules on how they were to be treated, educated, and fed. A poor family might sell their daughter to a rich family, but it was a parent's way of saving their child's life. So the most places that we find um, slavery talked about in the Bible, there's Exodus chapter 21 and Leviticus chapter 25. There are certain rules given to the nation of Israel on how they are to deal with people. Let me give you a few rules on how they're to be treated. This one is Deuteronomy 15, and uh, it starts around verse 12. But it says, If a fellow Hebrew sells himself or herself to be your servant and serves you for six years, in the seventh year you must set that servant free. When you release a male servant, do not send him away empty-handed. Give him a generous farewell gift from your flock your threshing floor, and your wine press. Share with him some of the bounty with which the Lord your God has blessed you. Remember that you were once slaves in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God redeemed you. That is why I'm giving you this command. So here in Deuteronomy, it says if a Hebrew comes to you, um, another person from the nation of Israel, and he sells himself to you, even if the debt is not fully repaid within six years, you have to let him go in the seventh year. It's called the year of Jubilee. You, you have to release him. And when you release him, you can't just send him away empty-handed and say good luck. He's worked for you. He's provided uh, labor for you for free. And so you have to make sure you compensate him. Give him a generous farewell gift from your flock. Give him everything he needs to start his life over. So this is, in some ways, it's actually quite beautiful. So somebody comes to you. Imagine today, they say they had credit card debt. And... Uh, or just IRS. Think of the IRS. If you owe them a bunch of money, they can come and they can take all the money from your paycheck. They can, not all of it, but they can take a large amount. And if you still don't pay, they can actually imprison you. And when you get out of jail, you still owe them money. But here in this way, if you had a massive debt that you couldn't, there was no hope that you could take care of it, and you sold all your land to pay back a portion of it, and you had nothing, you were basically homeless, you could enter into this willingly. You were never forced into slavery. You could willingly enter into it. Just after six years, on the seventh year, you were set free. You owed nothing, and you would be given everything you needed to restart your life again. So does this sound like the kind of slavery that they were mocking? Does this, does this sound like um, some cruel, hateful, evil, moral God? You have to think in the times, 4,000 years ago, this is radical, radical. When slaves were property, here they're not considered property by any means. They were worthy of sympathy. They were worthy of generosity. You were required to give them a second chance at life. The New Testament also says that Colossians 4.1, Masters, treat your bondservants, there's the word bondservant, justly and fairly knowing that you also have a master in heaven. Now, 
I would be guilty of just highlighting the pro verses if that's where I stopped. What about these verses that they were talking about um, in Exodus where it talks about beating your slave? Does it really say that? Does the Bible say it's okay to beat your slave? So there's um, a website that you can go to and something like the Evil Bible or something like that, and it has all the verses on slavery and then these little commentaries. And what you'll often find is people never read things in context. And if you're looking for a moral out from believing in the God of the Bible, this is a pretty easy one to do because you feel very self-righteous here. See, I'm against slavery. Um, let me ask, before I read these verses, let, let me ask you a few things. Do you know of any Christian who is pro-slavery? I, I, I don't. I don't know of anybody who is pro-slavery. The, do you know of people who were at the forefront of ending slavery that were Christians? Absolutely. Do you know people who are at the forefront of bringing equality to people based upon the fact that we are all created in the image of God who are Christians and use the Bible to do so? Absolutely. Do you know of any Jewish people who are pushing for the reinstatement of slavery? I, I don't. I've never heard of that. And so we have to take things like this and go, well, if I was an atheist and I read this, if I want to be intellectually honest, and I don't want to just like have my gotcha statements like, oh, look, I got you now. The Bible says this. I'm like, hey, that's obviously not how it has been in practice since I've ever heard of or even in the recent past. And traditionally, we believe that Jewish people were peaceful people, that Christians historically have been peaceful people. So now all of a sudden you're saying like, oh, they had these laws that made them moral monsters. So there must be something off if your interpretation does not meet how real Bible-believing Christians live out their faith, then there's got to be a place where you're missing something. But if you want to just peg a Christian as stupid, then you go to this argument. But what I think that actually does is make the atheist look stupid. I don't mean that in a derogatory sense. I'm not trying to say all atheists are stupid. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying it's a weak argument, and they don't take the seriousness of what a bondservant actually was, and then they don't read in full context or understand certain things like uh, Exodus 21. This is the verse that they were making fun of, and like, see how bad it is. It says, uh, Exodus 21, verse 20, when a man strikes his slave, male or female, with a rod, and the slave dies under his hand, he shall be avenged. So they say, see, look, the Bible promotes the beating of slaves. I don't know how you get that. They say, oh, see, this shows it's okay to beat your slave. And it goes on to say, but if the slave survives a day or two, he is not to be avenged, for the slave is his money. Well, that's a hard one right there, that, that money word. We don't like people being referred to as money, but it's his responsibility, it's his investment. He has paid off this person's debt or he has rescued them from starvation and he is invested into that person. So let me break these two down real quick before we move on. So it says when a man strikes his slave, male or female, with a rod and that person dies, that's first degree murder. So it says if you beat your slave and the slave dies, you're going to be killed. So is that promoting the beating of slaves? Not at all. In fact, it's the death penalty. If you kill your slave, you will die. 
That, that's pretty strict. Why, why would you have that? Because no other culture in that time had such a penalty. Every other culture said that slaves were only property. They were beasts. It's a donkey. If your donkey dies, if you hit your donkey and it dies, so what? Go get you a new donkey. Doesn't matter. The Bible was absolutely radical in transforming the way people viewed each other. It says, just because it's your servant, if you kill him, because that person is of equal worth and value, that goes all the way back to Genesis. You can never uh, use the Bible to support slavery by saying we are superior to this person because the bible from the very beginning it says that everyone is created in the image of god so it was uh no different than the laws that we have where it says if you commit first degree murder in some states one of the punishments available is execution you can be executed but what about the next one it says if the slave dies survives a day or two he is not to be avenged for the slave is his money uh, this is a hard one to read. Uh, we don't like any of the word is used, but let's go back to the time that this is written and try to understand it from their perspective. This is not saying it's a good thing if they don't die. You can go ahead and beat your slave. Just let him survive a day or two. It says if the slave survives a day or two, you won't be killed. So if you didn't commit first degree murder, but it was assault and you beat him, then you've lost out on your entire investment, right? then he's not going to be able to work. He can't do anything for you. You either paid off his debt or you had bought him uh, to save him from poverty. And now you've wasted your money, right? So now you are suffering the consequences. You have to still feed for this person, provide them an education, get them the help they need to uh, get back to a healthy lifestyle. You've got to do all this stuff. God has commanded you to take care of them and show generosity towards them. And you just kind of screwed yourself. But that's not the only one. And that's what they would love to say. See, look, you can beat them as long as they don't die for a day or two. All you have to do is read a few verses down. Verse 26 is continuing talking about the rules of master and slave bond servant relationship. So verse 26, when a man strikes the eye of a slave, male or female, and destroys it, he shall let the slave go free because of the eye. If he knocks out the tooth of his slave, male or female, he shall let the slave go free because of his tooth. So if you hit somebody hard enough, and you don't have to hit somebody that hard for their tooth to come out. You really don't. If you hit them hard enough, you, you can lose a tooth rather easily. Look at hockey players, right? Hockey players might have one or two of their original teeth. And it's like, look, if you injure them, they get to go free and you lose everything. They're no longer no matter how much you paid, it could be one week in and you spent a fortune to pay off their debt and you abuse them and they suffer any kind of consequence physically, they get to go free. So by no means does this say, hey, it's okay to beat your slave. That's a total misreading and it's an intentional misreading, might I add. It's intentional. They aren't looking for what the Bible actually says. They're reading in. It's what's called eisegesis. When you read into the Bible what you think it should say. So let's just take these two verses and say, well, um, that gives a pretty strong recommendation to never lay a hand on your bondservant. You've invested in them. For many people, this was the only way to move up in the social structure. If you were born dirt poor and your family, half of them could hardly work, 
your only hope in moving up, of getting that education, of becoming of a higher social class, was to freely enter into a bond-servant relationship. And sometimes if you wanted to stay, now I actually, there, there are some Jewish commentaries on uh, the different views on this. And I had always heard that if you loved your master enough, you could enter into a, a, a bond-servant relationship where you would get your ear pierced, and that talks about that in Exodus. And that basically meant that you loved your master so much that you never wanted to leave. But some of the early Jewish commentators said this was actually a bad thing. Because if you were set free after your seven years, then you could buy your wife. Um, if your wife was Hebrew, she had to be set free with you. But if she was a Gentile, and she was not a part of the nation of Israel, then the slave master would keep her, right? And so uh, part of that was there's this interesting pattern whenever there's disobedience slavery follows so when the nation of israel disobedient slavery follows god sets them free and they are disobedient and then slavery follows again and so there's always this time where god would allow slavery as a form of judgment right and so those gentiles who are outside of the nation of israel part of their judgment there's a whole historical context that i quite frankly, don't know if we have time to go into, but these, the, the specific rules for a time, and it's only for a limited time, where the nations that are surrounding Israel, who had just spent a long time attacking and trying to destroy the nation of Israel, if one of those persons wandered in, you couldn't kill them, right? You couldn't, you couldn't kill them. You could take them, and they would have to work for you. Now, this, this wouldn't happen with any other nation. Any other nation you wander, and if, if an Israelite wandered into a neighboring nation who had been trying to kill them for the last 50 years, you would be killed, right? And God is telling them, don't do that. They have to come work for you. Now, they're, they're working for you as part of their judgment. The nation of Israel, God judges his own people by allowing them to go into slavery. They could always escape that. There was always a way out. Part of the hope was is that they would see the goodness of God and how he treated the nation of Israel. They could convert. If they converted, they would no longer be treated as a Gentile. They would be treated as a member of the nation of Israel. And the same rules would apply to them. They would be set free after seven years. But even to Gentile servants, they had to be treated with dignity and respect. Now, the whole idea about if... Um, there's, there's one rule where if a Hebrew slave bond servant was set free at the end of seven years, where he paid off his debt, whichever came first, what if his wife was a Gentile? Well, she wasn't set free. So the man had a choice. He could go to his master and say, I want to serve you for life. And the master would pierce his ear and he would become a bond servant. The other option is that there's the Jewish commentaries say that's actually not a good thing. Some people said, oh, look how noble it is. He's willing to enter into this relationship so that he could serve, um, be with his wife and his children. But the Bible is always saying that enslavement of any kind is a negative. Even those who have to enter into it, it's a last resort. It's because you made poor decisions. You didn't handle your finances well. You Maybe you had a gambling problem. Maybe you had a drinking problem. So it's never looked at in a positive light. It's always kind of this negative thing. Maybe your family didn't treat you well or educate you well, so your only choice to move up in that structure was to enter into it. It's never necessarily a positive thing. 
And so the idea of him selling himself back into the master was actually frowned upon because all he had to do was take all the stuff that was given to him. He had to be given all this stuff uh, generously, land, flock, um, wine. He had to be given all that stuff to survive and start over. And in a short while, he would have enough that he could go to his master and say, hey, I want my wife to join me. Uh, um, And he could buy back his wife because the goal was always freedom. The goal was always freedom. And God kept saying, you know, freedom is found in me. Outside all these other nations, they are going to enslave you. Disobedience, sin always brings slavery. We're all still slaves, according to the New Testament. We're slaves to sin or we're slaves to God, right? Like, those are our choices. Either we're slave to the natural physical instincts that we have, or we control those instincts and they become a slave to us. But everybody has a master, Now, I think a good question to ask is, how come the Bible doesn't just say slavery is wrong? How come it just doesn't come out and say that? It doesn't say that about abortion either. It doesn't say abortion is evil. How come Jesus didn't come and say, a new law I give unto you, have no slaves? Well, there's a very simple reason for that. The Bible was never meant to reform society through laws. It was an inside-out transformation and eventually the laws begin to reflect that transformation. So what we see is God saying everybody's equal. There's neither male nor female, Jew nor Gentile, slave nor free. What a radical thing to say when slavery was the bedrock of every economy at the time. Slavery um, had always been a way to build these giant cities and towns cheaply because you could just force people to do it. It made, made uh, Rome what was Rome. So it was one of the bedrocks of society. And the message of the nation of Israel in the Old Testament, the message of Jesus in the New Testament, was that everyone is a child of God. Everyone is worthy of dignity and respect. Now that better reflects at least what Christians say. It might not always be how they live, but it better reflects what they say, that everybody is worthy of love and respect. So if I was to take this subject... If I was an atheist and I looked at Christians and I visited with Christians and most Christians are nice people. Some of them might be a little ignorant of their Bible, but just let's paint with a broad brush and say most Christians at least know they're supposed to be nice or trying to be nice, right? They're supposed to be generous and loving. That doesn't reflect what atheists say the God of the Old Testament looks like. It's not like we haven't read the Old Testament before. None of these verses are surprises to us. We're not shocked that these verses are in there. We've been dealing with these verses longer than they have. And yet we feel like we can consistently and intellectually and morally affirm that God had put some limits around how people could deal with each other. Some of the wordage used shocks us and scares us a little bit, and that's why they go for it, because it has some shock value. But I... I just don't see what they say it says. There, there's, uh, I watched a movie the other day with Tom Hanks, and it's the movie Big. I don't know if you've seen that one where he's the little boy who has the wish where he wants to be big, and he gets a job at a toy factory. And they're presenting this toy. It's a, it's a robot that turns into a building. And Tom Hanks' character just says, I don't get it. And they're like, what do you mean? You don't get it? He's like, yeah, I, I just don't get it. And they're like, well, we have all these statistics and we have all these things to prove this to be true and he's just like look I, I just don't get it I don't care about what your studies are showing that doesn't look fun 
And when atheists start to talk about, this is the God of the Old Testament, he's for slavery, I'm like, no, I don't get it. I don't get it. Hey, I don't see what you're seeing. I've read the verses, but I'm reading them in context. There are some that are hard to wrestle with because, look, when I think of slavery, I'm like you. I think of antebellum slavery. I think of slavery of the South. I think of what Americans did to African Americans. And the Bible says that was wrong. There's no... There's no moral um, leg room to kind of negotiate around that. The Bible says you're worthy of death for that, that you would be stoned in the Old Testament for living that kind of life, for taking somebody and then selling them into slavery. The Bible does have indentured servitude where somebody could willingly enter into a slave-master relationship. People, it uses the word, they could be purchased. Well, different NBA teams purchase players, and we never go, oh, you can't purchase people. We, well, they're hiring to work for them, so that it becomes their property. It's their, their responsibility, not property in the sense that you can do whatever you want to it. It's this is your responsibility to take care of. My kids are my property, right? They have their own freedom. They have their own free will, but I am responsible for them. They can't do anything without me. So I have a certain responsibility to take care of them. That was the same way in the Old Testament. So hopefully, just from seeing this, I, I, we, there's other places um, in Scripture that we could go to. If you have questions, this is always a what I hope to be a two-way conversation. I know I'm just a guy on a microphone, but I would love it if you have a question or you go, you know what, I don't know if I buy that, then push back. Always be willing to ask questions. And if you don't think I answered that well, or if you have a verse that you would like me to dive into, I'd be more than glad to. You can also find a lot of good resources online, um, gotquestions.com, or there's a great book called Is God a Moral Monster that deals with this. There's a couple of good books by scholarly people on slavery in the Old Testament. It's uh, Judaism and, um, what's it called? Bond Servants and Judaism, I believe is the name of the book. And there's lots of resources that you can go to. Don't buy into the shock value of atheists who condemn Christians as being pro-slavery. I can't think of something more ignorant and intellectually dishonest than that. Thank you guys for listening. We got some more great episodes coming up, so subscribe. Please leave a review on iTunes or Google Play. It really helps us kind of appear a little bit. And God bless. Have a great day.